Listener Production. Welcome back to The Moment, Mick Fanning. In part one, Mick was confronted by the death of his brother, Sean. Now, Mick is about to face yet another challenge. One of our search trips, and we'd sent him out there and out the, the middle of nowhere, and it's a, it's a great thing because it's a content-based trip and you get great images and they stay tuned up. Yeah, just went out surfing like you would any other day on when you're on a trip and, um, and yeah, just went up, tried a floater, and um, it was game over. <laughs> I, uh, I, I remember coming down and just was like, oh shit, this one's a bit big. And um, as I've come down, I just felt my back foot slip off the board and um, I did the splits on the water, um, still had my front leg on the board. And then as I've landed, the lips just landed straight at my back and, and just compressed me straight onto that front leg. And I felt a tear and I was just like, oh shit. I was still underwater and I was like, oh, it hurt, but that's all right, I'll just shake it off. And as I've gone to shake it off, this whole cramp has just gone down my whole leg and I was just like, oh shit, I'm not shaking this one off. There was still another uh, four or five waves that were landing on my head and I was trying to, f- my leg wouldn't move, it just was in so much pain. Yeah, I knew something bad had happened and um, it turned out I, um, I tore my hamstring off the bone. So I got this crackly phone call that my secretary came and said, oh, there's a phone call for you. You know, it's all crackly. Can you actually imagine what Liz was thinking as a mum? After already having lost Sean, as Mick explains, a simple phone call, any phone call, was cause for concern. Every time the phone rang, it was just like, oh, what's happened now? And it would just be your mate ringing up, see if you want to go for a surf or something. But, yeah, it was... um, I think all of us sort of had that feeling for a, a long time. And Liz gets a hard-to-hear crackly phone call in the middle of the night with her son somewhere in the back blocks of Indonesia. You know, it's all crackly. And it was saying something that Mick had... And I couldn't hear it. Well, I was just so beside myself. And then um, I heard, he's hurt his leg. <sighs> I thought, well, that's all right. You know, I mean, he, he, he did such a terrible injury and that was OK. He was still with us, he was still alive and he was still able to come home and get it fixed. And in sport, reports are emerging that young Aussie surfer Mick Fanning is struggling to get home after sustaining a potentially career-threatening injury while surfing in Indonesia. <laughs> so it was a... Uh... 12-hour boat ride to get to, like, the closest airport. Where there were no seats available. So we bribed our way onto the plane. That was the first plane of three. It took a good 48 hours to get back to Coolangatta and the whole time I was actually sitting like this because my ass was so sore and I couldn't move my leg. And, and um, yeah, it was just... It was painful. Now, safely back home... Mixed problems were only just beginning. I saw anywhere between six, eight doctors trying to figure out exactly what it was. They all could see that the the hamstring had come off the bone, but they didn't know exactly how to fix it. It was at a juncture in his life where he was about to break into the big time uh, as far as the world tour was concerned. So uh, you don't get those chances necessarily every year. I was concerned on for him financially, you know. I was concerned f- 
for him for the future um, um, in a competitive sense. You know, you can have one chance and miss it and, and never get back there. For someone like Mick, who hadn't yet won a world title, what would that do to him personally 10 years down the track? Mick Fanning's entire professional future was in jeopardy. The medical world... Well, they were unsure what to do. Yeah, still wasn't getting any better. Then, finally, a change of fortune. Dr David Wood was his name and um, he came in, looked at the MRIs and the X-rays and everything and he says, well, you've got two options. We can put it back on and you might be able to run again, but if we don't, you'll never run again. And I just instantly, I was just like, well, if I can't run, I, I can't surf. And um, he was like... We've only done, it was under 10 at that stage. And um, I was like, well, let's do it. <laughs> you know, we've just got to go for it. Ooh, yeah, sorry about that. But Mick's surgery and his description of it ain't for the faint-hearted. You ready? What they do, they... They slice your leg open and um, open you up and they have to drill into the bone and then they have like this small sort of like grappling hook and um, they screw that into the, into the bone and the um, doctor said he was picking me up with pliers and lifting me off the, um, off the table. What? And then they have to grab your muscle, sew through the tendon, sew that onto the grappling hook and hopefully that holds... Um, to, you know, and then you've got to wait for six to eight weeks for the, the bone to calcify around the hook and then the scar tissue to grow over the hook back onto the bone. And uh, so it was, um, after surgery, it was definitely not a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of hard times then. Parco takes up the story here and it's not a good story either. He was in his bedroom and he'd, and he'd just been to the bathroom and he had one of the, the granny stick things and he just kind of rolled down on his bed and I looked up and he had the, and I looked in his ensuite, he had the, um, <laughs> you know, the stuff you need to, to go to the bathroom with, with when you haven't got a leg, you know. And I remember just thinking, oh, this is, you know, poor guy, you know. This is something you find hard to come back from, you know. He looked like he was in uh, just, you know, pain and, and just, I guess, you know, as a, upcoming, you know, contender to be a world title and one of the most amazing servers on the planet the guy can't even, you know, take a shit. Because I had to sit down on the couch for like eight weeks, couldn't do anything. Um, that was that was really sort of, that was definitely something that I was, I was really depressed actually. It wouldn't surprise me if there was even some sort of clinical depression associated with that. I, I would suggest there were some very dark times, you know, uh, as, he, as he contemplated whether he could get back to surfing at all. I can't go in the ocean for six months. I can't, you know, I can't walk properly for six months. I can't, but I can't even, I can't ride a surfboard. And that's, that'll depress a, a bloody surfer. You know, if I figured I could get to a jog, it was... I'd be able to maybe get up on a board and, and surf, but I never knew exactly if I'd ever get to that level again. An injury like that, I think, would have stopped 90% of people. There's probably 10% in that set of surfers worldwide who've got the, the stomach for, for the comeback. 
If this were a movie, we'd now start playing inspirational music and show beautiful slow motion sequences of Mick slowly beginning to walk, then jog, then train, sweat streaming off him as he poured his whole soul into training. Yeah, this isn't a movie, but that's exactly what happened. How did he approach the rehab? With, with bravery, I would train uh, five days a week doing the rehab, and I'd be in the gym for anywhere between two and three hours, um, just going through all the rehab, just making sure that I did everything right, um, realigning the body and everything like that. Do the same thing for two weeks, and then you get a new program and just keep moving forward. And you know, it just seemed to me it was just like, oh. You're kidding me, I've just got to keep digging mud here pretty much. You have to wake up and go, all right, I've got a full day of pain to go through today and, and not only do it, but, but do it better than you did it the day before. You just sort of want to say, all right, that's enough. You, you know, you, you, you've done enough for today, but his, um, his spirit is, um, you know, I want to do it as well as I'm told to do it and then a little bit better. So, yeah, there's a lot of squats, a lot of lifting weights um, and, yeah, a lot of uh, looking at walls and looking at myself in the mirror trying to do things right. You'd like a bit of mirror time, though, wouldn't you? I'd love it. No. <laughs> what do you mean? I've got, got a rough head. Mick slogged it out, often alone, although in saying that, Eugene did turn up once to help. You know, apart from one, uh, you know, celebrated night, you know, drinking and riding a, a bike <laughs> when he shouldn't have been. Everything else that he did in that rehab was a textbook copy of what an athlete's supposed to do to get back. It's a beautiful morning on the Goldie. Offshore winds and a nice three-foot swell. Ring the boss with an excuse and hit the waves, crew. Finally, after all that work, with his hamstring attached by a hook, it was time for Mick to go right away. But I was there for his first surf as well because he rang me up and said, Mum, I'm going for a surf. Will you come with me? And I don't know how people knew, but there was a whole lot of boys there. And Mick got on this wave and just went straight down the line. It was just so beautiful to see after that major, major injury. As I went surfing, it just, it just didn't feel right, you know? It just... It just, every time I, I got up, it just, I could just feel it just felt like it was just ripping every time. I really believed in him because um, he's such a courageous and strong person. And Sean was like that. Sean showed him that way as well. Yeah, the strength and the courage and the commitment and the determination that he has. Mick injured his hamstring on June 27, 2004, the first event of the 2005 surf season, starting on March 1, was at his home break, Coolangatta on the Gold Coast. I had to go and stand up in front of all my peers um, and ask for an injury wildcard to get back on tour and, you know, some of my friends are sitting there going, well, you know, are you still, are you going to be able to surf? Are you still going to be right to compete at that level? And I was, I had to be honest, I was like, I really don't know, but I'll do everything I can to get, get to that level. Mick started the comp well. The golden boy of the Gold Coast faithful, Mick Fanning, also won through, illustrating that he was surfing with confidence after last year's career-threatening hamstring injury. I had a heat against Sonny Garcia and um, I had a really good heat and he, he didn't 
go that well. And um, I still remember to this day that, you know, I paddled up to him after the heat and, you know, shake hands, good sportsmanship. And he just looked at me and goes, welcome back. And I was just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's now part of surfing folklore that the man who hadn't been able to walk at all eight months prior took the contest by storm. Fanning added this 5.0 to his already 8.5 and he was now in control and up to a combined total of 13.5. He blew everyone's door away that time, you know. He didn't look like he was going to lose, even from the first, the first heat he surfed after his injury. He looked more focused. You know, it looked like a blessing in a way. Mick Fanning completed the spectacular win in the final minute with another signature ride. His fairy tale return from last year's injury was complete. Oh, I'm so pumped. Oh, <laughs> was nuts. Uh, he surfed incredible all week and, yeah, just, just made it so much sweeter just to come back off injury and everything that I thought about over the whole six months when I was out of the water. It just, it all works, so I'm, I'm just so wrapped and, uh, yeah, I'm just so stoked. Yeah, I, I, it, was a, it was a big blur, um, but then once I did win, it was like a sense of relief. It was like, okay, we've done the dark side, let's come back to the light. First up, let's take a whistle-stop look at the year on the Dream Tour. The Dream Tour. Hard to argue. Ten events, exotic locations, pumping waves, the endless summer. Yep, the Dream Tour, all right. Come on, let's join it. The year is 2007 and the surf's up, baby. We start the season on Australia's magical Gold Coast with the Quicksilver Pro at the spectacular Snapper Rocks. Mick started the season in style in front of his home crowd. Double tube ride for Mick Fanning. He's in, he's in, he comes shooting out the end of that one. Here in 2007, right in the backyard. Just felt the wave coming out. Yeah, it was a great pack. Fanning continued to show good form, but the big guns, like the real big guns, were starting to fire. Triple world champion Andy Irons won in round four in Arica, Chile. You're back in the world title race, no doubt about it. I know you kept trying to talk it down, but you're right back in the race now. I didn't go anywhere. I was always there. Just one back on us. Throw that one away, I'm right in there. Can't wait. Game on. Yeah, game on all right. Are you enjoying the Dream Tour? Stick around. Next stop, Southern California. The home of modern surf culture for the Boost Mobile Pro and lower trestles. And now, Mick has to deal with a charge from one of the greatest athletes of all time. The King, Kelly Slater. Slater takes off down the line and he's a little late. What an amazing thing. Willing himself up and all the way. There's a vertical hit. Kelly won trestles and was eyeing a ninth. Yep. Ninth world title. Definitely uh, feeling good right now. I've almost got as many points as I could in the last two events, the first and the second. And, uh, and you know, I woke up this morning uh, dreaming about surfing, and I was actually just picturing the shape of the wave, and uh, I just felt like it was going to be a good day. Mick desperately needed another win. And that's precisely what he got at the very next round in Hossega, France. Yeah, just so stoked to have another win under the belt. Oh. 
So we come to the second last leg of the 2007 tour. It's into South America for the penultimate leg of the tour. Florianopolis in stunning Brazil gives the pros a taste of what it's like to be a rock and roll star. Three rock stars still in the title race. Mick, Taj Burrow and Kelly Slater. You know, those those guys are they're young, they're you know, they're exciting, they're they're um, really hungry. All three made it through the early rounds. And so we arrive at November the 6th, a beautiful, warm Brazilian morning. I woke up and um I was, I was super, super nervous. Just felt, I don't know, just sick in the stomach almost. As I was driving down the beach, I just saw the waves and, um, and it was sort of like this sense of calmness just came straight over me because I, I knew exactly what the waves were like and I had that confidence that the year before I actually won that event in those exact same conditions. So I was just like, all right, this is it. Let's let's go for it. Mick Fanning on a smoker. Yeah, my favourite ones are Mickey. Mick Fanning. Mick Fanning, we love him. Mick Fanning looking sharp, hasn't missed a beat. Surprisingly, the first to falter was the eight-time champ, Kelly Slater. That's it. That's you guys. It. Kelly is out of the race. Kelly's out of the race. Wow. I just felt like uh, everything that I did just sort of turned to gold almost and um but i think the the main thing was um it was really weird like there was sort of like this channel next to the rocks and in the in the channel there was just this one dolphin that just kept circling around and it was there all day every time i'd kick off a wave i'd just see that dolphin and and that sort of just took my mind off everything else that was going on by this stage mick was through to a semi-final against Joel Parkinson. The two great mates were out the back in the water preparing as Taj Burrow surfed a quarter final. Burrow's in real trouble, massive trouble. He's running out of time. Finally, after all that pain, all that loss, and all that doubt, it's time for that one moment the title. And then I heard, Congratulations, and I was just like, Oh shit. And I looked over at Joel, and he's like, is that it? Is that it? And uh, it was just like this whole sense of weight just dropped off. Instantly, he looked up and he was like, there's a dolphin. You know, he, he kind of felt like, you know, Sean was there. The, the light on his face, you know, when that happened, I remember him just, I was hugging him, we were in that little circle, and it was just, he, when he said that, I remember, you know, it was a blink of the spare at the moment thing, and then we're on to more cheering, and, but uh, I remember him saying that, like, there's a dolphin, you know kind of in that, the heat of the whole moment. I, um, I felt, I don't know, I felt like he was, there was definitely someone with me at that, at that time. Ooh, on the beach, she was pandemonium. I'd probably never jump into a a crowd of Brazilians like that ever again because it could could get dangerous. <laughs> Amongst all that madness, a photo was taken, a split-second moment frozen in time. Mick, hand-raised, finger-pointed, saluting. You could see with the salute to the, the sky indicating, you know, that he was thinking about Sean. So that process of um, honouring Sean was probably... You know, complete right there. But I would imagine he was saying, there you go, bro, I've done it. I'm doing it for you. A world title was always going to be the way to, to go, all right, I've dealt with it all, you know, and, 
and I've risen above it all. And there was a dolphin out there too. I don't know if it was my brother or what, but you know, I'm just so stoked. And uh, thanks, I forgot to everyone. Mick Fanning is now a three-time world champion, an officer of the Order of Australia, and one of Australia's most recognised and respected athletes. His successes have brought both him and his family enormous satisfaction. There have been further tough times. The world was shocked in 2015 when Mick was attacked by a suspected great white shark whilst competing in South Africa. But through the good times and bad, Mick feels his brother Sean is never too far away. It definitely um, it made me want, if I'm going to do something, you've got to do it right now. And, um, and do it to the best of your ability. And um, he's sort of like that. It, it's, it feels like he's that angel on my shoulder sometimes, just when it's definitely hard, you know, he's, he's there to back me up. Written and created by Mark Howard. Produced by Michael James. Audio imaging by Matt Nikolich. Executive producers Mark Howard and Grant Tothill. Listener.